0: Hey Climbers, this is your host, Johnny D. And this is Brent. And we just wanted to share some big, huge news with you. The Climb Show Music Business Podcast is now a part of the American Songwriter Podcast Network.
1: That's right. We're really excited to be part of this network along with some other amazing podcasts.
0: Make sure you check out americansongwriter.com forward slash podcast or click the link in the episode notes to listen to some of the best shows in music.
1: All right, Johnny. Go ahead and do your thing.
0: Welcome to The Clown! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. Leverage is what you're going to have to have to get the deal, to get the management, to get the publishing deal, to get the booking agent. They're not going to pick you out of obscurity because of your talent and put you on a bigger stage. You're going to have to do that... On your own And that's why we called it The Climb C-L-I-M-B Creating leverage in the music business Brilliant, see what we did there Uh, That was uh, Baxter and put together By my good friend and co-host Mr. Brent Baxter Brent's an award winning hit songwriter With cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis Lady A, Joe Nichols and more And he helps songwriters like you Turn pro By revealing how you can write like a pro Do business like a pro And on a regular basis He's going to give you opportunities get in front of pros to connect you with pros so that you can get your shot you can find Brent very easily at songwritingpro.com once again that's songwritingpro.com
1: and i would like to introduce you to my co-host johnny dwinell johnny owns daredevil production they're breaking artists digitally by identifying new fans through data yes it's complicated But thankfully, Johnny is smart. If you're an artist looking to increase your streams, blow up your video views, sell more live show tickets, and get discovered by new fans, TV, and music industry pros, then Daredevil Production can help. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists such as Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That's production, singular, no S, and there's no S because there is no other Johnny D. What's up, brother? how you doing man man i'm doing all right you know at the time of recording this i just got uh, an issue of american songwriter magazine in the mail yesterday mm-hmm. and it has a nice little ad in there in the beginning i was just kind of flipping through to just read about phineas and billy eilish and all that good stuff and he goes oh introducing the american songwriter podcast network featuring and and look at there, right there about fourth one down is a climb nice and that was pretty cool to go oh well look at that i finally made american songwriter magazine Not the way I thought I would when I started out, but I'll take it. I'll take it for now.
0: (laughs) I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. That's incredible. Right on. Well, today we are going to learn about the blueprint for perfect mashups and how to put that together. I think it's a little bit daunting to people to think about it, but if I give you some step-by-step instructions here, Mm -hmm. we can get you off and running and you can be doing a good job on it. That's awesome. You know, we're going to kind of dive into it, Brent. Like, you know how when you do the hit song breakdown? Yeah. That's what we're going to do with some mashups that I've been involved with, with a couple different artists, Mm -hmm. and kind of go in and and take a deep dive into that. And you were my inspiration, sir.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you. If I can be that for you, then I'll be that for you. But yeah, mashups are, they're like a foundational thing. People are really using that to get eyeballs on their artist stuff so i'm looking forward to hearing that that's right even though uh, i'm not trying to be an artist i still think that stuff is interesting the alchemy that goes into that so (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, right, Al. Well, before we do that, let's take care of a little business. It's a digital world out there, but as we get back into live shows, slowly but surely, physical media is going to play a huge role for today's independent musician. Digital royalty payments are so small that selling products like CD, vinyl, T-shirts at gigs becomes a really huge income generator, gets you from one town to the next.
1: That's right. You know, for every CD you sell at a gig, that equals about 3,000 streams. For the same amount of money, right? That's a lot of streams to equal one CD. And think about it this way you know, when things are starting to open up, there's a lot of half capacity, that kind of stuff. If you're just taking a cut of the door, that's like half your cut, right? I think that makes it even more important to have some merch there. That way you can maximize every dollar of the people that are able to come out. You know, if it's slow rolling back into full capacity, it's even more reason to have merch because that way you can provide more value to your fans that can show up and make a little more bank along the way so thankfully our friends at disc makers are the place to go for your disc and other physical media including vinyl usb drives and even t-shirts you can find them online at discmakers.com. that is is D-I-S-C makers.com or give them a call at 800-468-9353 that's 800-468-9353
0: That's right. And join the climb community if you haven't done so. This is a thriving community of songwriters and indie artists, musicians, singers. You know, we're trying to put as much information in there as we can to be sort of an aggregate for the news you need to know. Mm -hmm. I got to get a little bit better at that if I'm being honest, and also... Uh, Me too. (laughs) Lots of questions. People asking music marketing questions. Songwriters are hooking up for co-writes, and it's just a great little community where everybody's in there to help everybody else, and we've got some places for you to showcase your music. Don't come in and spam the Jesus out of everybody. Mm -hmm. We got a place for you to shine, right, Brent?
1: That's right. We don't spam, we jam. And uh, just kind of looking through it right now, we got some helpful posts. Let's see, Kevin James Lynch shared a post about the single reason why people can't write according to a Harvard psychologist. Ooh, interesting. So he posted that. Thanks, Kevin, for doing that. We have some people posting some stuff from like BBC News. Gavin Clark reposted an article about pop music is getting faster and happier. So if you want to keep up on trends, you know, man, climbers are sharing some good stuff. There's another one up here. I think it's cool. One of our climbers, Martin Vipon, just posted a little bit of inspiration. He says the first step is believe you can do it. The second step is start. Yes, everyone feels like a fraud. Go write that song. And that's coming from climbers like you. That's not coming from me and Johnny posting stuff. Certainly we post stuff as well. But people are active in there and sharing stuff that's helpful. Are those people just going, hey, here's my song. Check it out. No, man. They're posting stuff that can help you on your journey. So I'm proud of those folks for posting that stuff. And I appreciate it and hope you'll come around and join the
0: party. Right on. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you consume your podcast to make sure you get every episode and every mini-sode. In order, you can jump on them as you like. Make sure you leave a rating and review. We're trying to get to 200, so please do that. And tell a friend about it. Listen, if this is working for you, if we're commanding this much attention from you, it's got some kind of value, let some other people know about it so that we can spread that around, right? Amen to that. All right. Well, let's get into this here. The perfect mashup blueprint. Mm -hmm. Blueprint for the perfect mashups.
1: So first of all, why should we even bother with mashups?
0: That's exactly what we're going to get into. Okay.
1: Because if I need a blueprint, it sounds like it may be a little tricky. Why should I even bother?
0: (laughs) Let's start there. I mean, to break on digital platforms, you need to create content that is inspirational, educational, or entertaining. The problem is that you, being the best singer in the world, I'm sure you've got a great voice and some great attitude. And if you've got the most perfectly written song ever— All that, your perfectly amazing voice, the perfect song is not considered entertaining because they're unaware of who you are. Mm -hmm. So even though you're very entertaining, even though you're a great entertainer, you might consider yourself to be that. I mean, I was far much more of an entertainer than I was a singer, I can tell you that. But you're not entertaining to them because you're unfamiliar. So if you're not familiar... All consumers are going to listen to what they know. And if they don't know you, they're not going to listen to you. They're going to choose their jam. So this is a really deep and very wickedly powerful tool that you can use to get more attention on digital and even organic attention, dare I say that, okay, Mm -hmm. which is getting harder and harder to come by. But I want to remind everybody first, remember how we consumed radio. You know, we all discovered our favorite artists, the artists that made us want to be artists, want to be songwriters. And again, I always consider songwriters artists, so it's artistry to me. And we discovered all of that inspiration, either directly or indirectly, because of terrestrial radio. hmm. And even though this statement is a fact, this is where we discovered all of our new music, directly or indirectly, we never listened to the radio to discover new music. Right. We listened for our jam. That's what we wanted to hear. Even us artists, even us people who consume music differently because... We experience it differently. It's 3D to us. That's why we're musicians. That's why we're songwriters. We're much, much deeper in than the average listener, even us. Mm -hmm. At the deepest end of the gene pool when it comes to music, we listen to listen to our jam, right? That's why we listen to the radio. That's
1: right. Speaking of that, I was on a coaching call with a songwriter and a member of the songwriting pro community last night in Australia, and she was talking about how people listen differently. And she was talking to her dad about Garth Brooks and the Thunder Rolls. They just watched that Garth Brooks documentary on Netflix. The road I'm on, and talk about the thunder rolls and the controversy surrounding how some stations wouldn't play it because of the depiction of domestic violence in the video and and some of that stuff. And the mom was like, Wait, I thought that was just like about a thunderstorm. No, (laughs) yes, but much more than that. So we sometimes don't listen like everybody listens.
0: (laughs) That's right, honestly. And this is so important to understand this. I've said this repeatedly on this podcast, but still. It's not getting through. You know, we keep defaulting to the radio with what we know. And there are really huge digital marketing companies, Brent, that are my competition Mm -hmm. for music in this town. And I am constantly hearing stories about artists going to our competition, and they're screwing up because these are digital marketing companies who came from the upper echelons of the music industry and then morphed into digital marketing companies, and so they're trying to apply stuff that works on broadcast to digital. And so they're completely missing the boat still. And so if they're doing it at the high level and getting paid the big bucks to miss the boat, us indie musicians here, you're having issues too, I promise you. Mm-hmm. So I'm not trying to beat a dead horse, but you have got to understand this, okay? Terrestrial radio forced us to discover new music because we were a captive audience. Before streaming, there was only two choices to listen to music. You'd listen to what you owned, Or you listen to the radio. Mm -hmm. Consumers didn't decide what to hear on a radio station playlist. They could choose the genre. If you're going to listen to rock or country or rap or easy listening or whatever, the program directors decided what you were going to hear. And so the way that we were forced to discover new music on radio, just a quick recap, let's use that Reba McIntyre example again. 1994, she comes out with her 18th studio record, right? Slow Clap. Amazing. You're everybody's jam. If you have 18 studio you're the queen of freaking country, right? Like, there's no two ways about it. And the way they would warm up records, they didn't come out and go right for sale. They would release the single, let that single work its way up into number one. And think about the way that's happening there. So you're getting the new Reba McIntyre song, Why Haven't I Heard From You. The only place you can get it up is on radio. So the records are kind of scratching radios back, making mm-hmm. sure that everybody's got to listen because they're going to play that song every hour on the hour. And the radio stations are scratching the record labels back by playing the song every hour on the hour because people want to hear it. And while you're waiting for that song to drop again... For that spin to happen, they slide in that new guy named Tim McGraw you never heard of. Right. You know, the road to go from unfamiliar to familiar on terrestrial radio for the average consumer, you know, as a songwriter, as an indie artist, as a musician, you have to remember you have the curse of knowledge. Okay, and you can hear stuff once and be blown away by. Everything that's happening in there. Like the Candy Grand for Mongo Boys, they found an old video of us playing the Key Club in Hollywood with an old gig. And I, I'm listening to it this morning, Brent, and I was just freaking out on James Baker's freaking P bass sound. It had hair and teeth, and it was just so killer, <laughs> dude. And I could hear it through whatever crappy recording thing happened from somebody's phone, however, we recorded that show. But there it is. So that's how we do it, right? We're like, oh, man, but you go right into that stuff and be freaking out on the nuances. Mm-hmm. But for the average consumer, the first time that they hear a debut single from a debut artist, an artist they have never heard of before, is the seventh time. Yeah. Because their brain doesn't know to pay attention to it.
1: Or, heck, they think it's the new Brad Paisley record because you sound like somebody else, so they don't know your voice yet.
0: Exactly. Wait, yeah. that
1: wasn't someone else? Oh, what? Oh, that's a new guy?
0: Yeah. And you don't even start having that conversation in your head or with your friends, really, until you've heard it six or seven times, because then all of a sudden it becomes something to bring up. And now you've started that process. Okay, Mm -hmm. so consumers always went to the radio to listen to the artists that they loved and they will always choose their jam on digital. Okay, and on digital consumers get to decide what they're going to devote their precious time to because they get to choose their playlists and they get to skip past whatever it is that isn't blowing their skirt up, you know? So how do you break through on digital? Answer is a number of different ways, but one of them is cover songs and mashups. And, you know, some artists like OK Go have broken through with like visually stunning Videos where they're playing their original material, but that video is so freaking entertaining visually and so clever that you have to watch it because it keeps you hooked, mm-hmm. right? Right. But for the rest of us who maybe we don't have all that video gear, maybe we're not as clever in front of the camera as we are behind a guitar or behind a microphone, cover songs and mashups. And Brent, we've had this conversation too. What do you think the biggest artist's complaint is about covering other artists' songs?
1: They feel like it's cheating. They feel like a karaoke band, or they feel like it's not introduced to them to their artistry, and so they're helping promote somebody else. What's the point?
0: That's right. The biggest response I get is, well, I don't want to be known as a cover artist. Mm -hmm. To which I respond back going, do you think of the Beatles as a cover artist? And of course, they goff like, no. (laughs) No. It's like, okay, well, first record the Beatles put out that got them on the radio, all cover songs. Mm Mm-hmm. First two Rolling Stones records that got them on the radio, all cover songs. First Led Zeppelin record, all cover songs. Now, by the way, that's three British artists in a row. So if you're an American listening to this podcast, unless you go dive deep into the Beatles and you got the Rolling Stones box set, you've never heard those songs. Right. Because they never came over here. They broke through here afterwards, but that's how they got on the radio in the UK. You know, Carrie Underwood, Miranda Lambert, Kelly Clarkson, Blake Shelton, Chris Young, these are artists that came into our awareness singing cover songs on TV. Let that sink in, okay? The first Van Halen record has two cover songs on it. Mm -hmm. So, Brent, I know you know what the first cover song was. Everybody knows that you really got me is a kink song, right? Do you know what the second cover song was in that record? For Van
1: Halen? I don't know if it was off that record, but California Girls. Wish they all could be California Girls. Beach Boys thing was something they did, right?
0: No, that was David Lee Ross' solo EP. Solo, okay. The first Van Halen record had two cover songs. One was The King, She Really Got Me. The other was Ice Cream Man, which is an old blues song from like the 30s or the 40s. You did not know that one. i mean, ice cream man, baby, stop me when I'm passing by. Oh, my, my. <laughs> so this is not reinventing the wheel here. Suddenly
1: our ice cream van that comes by the neighborhood is even creepier now. Thank you. Even less likely to little kids <laughs> run right out you're there. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs>
0: You're welcome. <laughs> By the way, Van Halen's fifth studio album, Diver Down, had five cover songs on it. They covered Where Have All the Good Times Gone, another Dave Davies Kink song, Pretty Woman from Roy Orbison, Dancing in the Streets, Marvin Gaye, huh. Big Bad Bill from Milt Nager and Jack Yellen, and, and Happy Trails, David Dale Evans. When you do something different to a cover song, when you put your artistic thumbprint on it, and you have carte blanche as an artist when you do a cover song, carte launch to change up the feel, the structure. You can even change the lyric if you want. You can change the melody. You can do whatever you want. Okay, You do not have to do karaoke. In fact, I would advise against it. But when a consumer hears that song, just an FYI, you are trojan-horsing your talent into the mind of the consumer because they're not spending any time trying to listen to the lyric or trying to cop the melody of that song because they are already familiar with it. Mm -hmm. The only thing they're receiving is your interpretation. And so then if you're really good, they're going to know that you did something wicked cool with this song and they're going to like it or they're not going to like it, but they're going to get your spin on it. And from an entertainment value on a digital platform perspective the entertainment comes in the form of familiarity or let's call it the possible entertainment yeah. i think i might listen to this because i know the song mhm Oh, yeah. Let's see what they did. Now, you know, when it comes to cover songs, you better do that, too. If you're coming off like karaoke, that's bad, bad news. You've really got to make it sound like it belonged to you the whole time.
1: Don't just grab the backup tracks and... Slap your vocal on top of it.
0: Yeah, you can't do the karaoke tracks off that. It's a, then you will be doing karaoke, I promise you. Because it doesn't give you any room, by the way, to mess around with the structure, right. right? to play with stuff. If you listen to Noah Guthrie, who is pre-COVID selling out 750 seaters every weekend, hard ticket sales, but he broke on YouTube doing cover songs. There's another example of Indie Artist Does Good. Mm-hmm. His big, big, big one was LMFAO's Sexy and I Know It. I recommend going and studying that song, the original track from LMFAO, and then what he did with it. Like he did some massive changes to that song. Mm-hmm. LMFAO is a pop band; they're on top of the beat, like sunk, 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 sunk. And he's he's a blues artist. He's behind the beat. He's like, I'm sexy and I know it. So he really moved that around, and it was a huge. Huge digital hit for him that got him the attention that led to him being invited to be on Glee, and he did a season of Glee that blew up his audience even more than he already had, and now he's a straight-up viable artist doing his thing. That's with cover songs, right? Right. Now, when you take two cover songs and put them together, right? If one is good, two is better. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I feel like that about cocktails.
1: <laughs> that would be a sour mashup.
0: <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I mean, hey. Maybe it's sweet. Maybe I like it a little sweet. <laughs> a mashup, when done correctly, is even, I believe, stronger than like a brilliantly done cover song because the mashup makes it almost straight up like clickbait. Yeah. You know? You have to like click on that to see how did they mash this up. But there's a blueprint for making this work, and that's what we're going to get into here right now. Here's step one. And deviate from this blueprint at your own peril, (laughs) okay? And create as many mashups as you want that nobody's going to care about or that's going to generate zero organic traffic, all right? One of the songs has to be currently in the top 10 or you know it's on its way to being to the top 10. Mm -hmm. You want it to be relevant right now. Why is that? People are looking for it. Yes, yes, there you go. That's going to create a lot of organic traffic for you and organic attention where, once again, clickbait. They're going to see that mashed up with another song. Oh, what's that all about? And they're going to click on that, and that's going to do very well for you. If you already have a large audience, like if you're one of those... Artist that's you know farther along in their journey and you've built up a decent-sized audience, you don't necessarily have to be a top 10 for the first song you choose. Even though, if you do have a large audience, the relevance of it is what creates the organic traffic. Yes. right. Does that make sense? Did I say that right?
1: Yeah, the relevance. because It's something people are looking for, and so the earlier you're kind of trend-hopping, you're hopping on that song, the better chance you're findable. If you do a cover or mashup including nothing but old songs people go looking for those songs, they're going to find, the original artists are going to find a thousand million other covers of it because you're starting at the bottom. If you don't have an already large built-in audience that's going to bump you up the search rankings, they're never going to find you. That's right. You're starting at the bottom of a pile.
0: So for the artists that have a limited marketing budget, it's an absolute mission critical that that first song that you choose is top 10 right now or on its way to top 10. If you have a bigger market already, a bigger audience, or if you're going to push that mashup out digitally through advertising and put it into the feeds of people that you know will be predisposed to liking it, you get a little bit more leash, a little bit more leeway on the song that you choose. You don't necessarily have to be as relevant, but it has to be a formerly top 10 song, Mm -hmm. okay? You want it to be a big song. Step two, the second song has to be a huge hit from whenever. The second song does not matter. If it's top 10 now, it can be 15 years old, but it has to be a huge hit. This is not the moment for you to show your artistic sophistication with a B-side or some obscure song that you personally like that nobody else has heard. They're not going to care because they don't know it. Right. OK, so you need to be very clever in how you choose that second song and make sure that it has just as much marquee value as the first song that you choose.
1: It just doesn't have to be the new
0: one. And here's the secret sauce mm-hmm. right here. This is where most people go a little bit astray. And I'm going to add one more thing here as we continue to dive down in this. I have found as a songwriter for my band when I was an artist, a producer, a creative These are surprisingly satisfying to cook up. Like, they're really fun. (laughs) Yeah. It's a really fun artistic itch to scratch. And when you think about indie artists and musicians and singers and songwriters doing promo, doing, like, marketing, they hate it. They hate that word mostly because they don't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And it's foreign to them. And so it's aggravating. But this is something that you can do that's very much of an artistic little endeavor to take that's going to require some thought and some energy and some definite creativity on how you mash it up exactly. But man, is it fun when you come up with something cool and you can really get in front of a lot of new eyeballs with content like this, okay? So the third step and the sort of secret sauce to this whole thing is that lyrically, the lyrics from each song need to kind of work together, Mm -hmm. okay? They don't need to completely work together or make sense. I mean, the more that they can make sense and sort of create a new story Mm -hmm. or twist up what the story was on the original songs, and I'm going to talk about that in a second, but they can't be completely unrelated or it won't work. Right. They just can't be like on opposite ends. Like they kind of have to work together. Mm -hmm. So what do I mean by that? Let's dig in a la Brent Baxter into some lyrics. Okay, so I've done a couple mashups now with one of my artists, very Allura. And the first mashup that we did was Billie Eilish's Bad Guy, Mm -hmm. which was number one at the time, not top ten, number one on the charts, the billboard charts, okay? And we mashed that up with Seven Nation Army. And I want to tell the story about how we kind of went down this road because the first thing I thought was, I'm going to do two songs in the top ten, Brent. Watch me make it happen. Yeah. Okay? And the second song that I chose initially to go with Bad Guy was Taylor Swift's You Need to Calm Down. Mm -hmm. Now, this poses a lot of musical challenges, and I was up for it. Lala Deaton was working with me on this, and she's you know absolutely brilliant with arrangement and everything, and actually pulled this feat off on one of her songs that we didn't pull off on this one. But huh. Bad Guys in a Minor Key... And you need to calm down as in a major key. And when that big vocal thing started happening, I wanted to switch to major. And sometime coming out of minor to major, if you do it right, it's this like euphoric, uplifting feeling. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. But here's the deal. The lyrics didn't work together. And no matter how we played around with it, it just kept sounding like we taped two songs together with a piece of freaking Scotch tape. And it was... It didn't work.
1: You don't want it to sound like, you know, when you're driving through the middle of nowhere and the station you've been listening to starts fading out and another station starts fading in over it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and you're kind of getting two songs at once. You don't want that. This is not what we're going for.
0: Yeah. It needs to sound like one smooth composition. So through a number of trial and error, like creative little things we tried, it was like, this isn't going to work. And the guy that was producing the track for me, my good friend, Michael Pavel, because I had it in my head with that Billie Eilish bass line. And you're going to love this. There's this 80s band that had Fred Corey, the drummer from Cinderella, and the lead singer from Rat, Stephen Piercy, and they were called Arcade, and they had this song, Nothing to Lose. If you ain't got nothing, you got nothing to lose. In the beginning part of that song, that P bass on that track. It was almost the same lick as the Billie Eilish thing. And I wanted to kind of put that in there and I was obsessed (laughs) with that. And so Mike starts playing it on the guitar and he just defaults to the iconic lick from Seven Nation Army. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's slower. Right. The Seven Nation Army is. So we ended up kind of mashing those two songs together because lyrically, they worked better together. And we were able to really do something kind of incredible with it. So we sang Bad Guy. If you want to view this, we'll put a link on the show notes. Or you can go see Very Allura on YouTube because we made videos for each one of these. Mm -hmm. But we did it at the speed of Bad Guy. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so lyrically, this is the way that it worked. Right. But you got to imagine... It's the Seven Nation Army lick, which is a hook, like a big hook, right? Oh, yeah. But at this tempo of bad guys. So it's like boom, bo 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 boom, 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 boom do boom. That's your tempo right there, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like white shirt, now red my bloody nose, sleeping. You're on your tippy toes, creeping around like no one knows. Think you're so criminal. Bruises on both my knees for you. Don't say thank you or please. Do what I want when I'm wanting to, my soul so cynical. And from there, we jump over to there's not a discernible chorus in Seven Nation Army, mm-hmm. but it's the part where he goes up on the vocal line, you know, and if I catch it coming back my way, I'm going to serve it to you. And that ain't what you want to hear, but that's what I'll do. And then it goes to that flat third to the four and the feeling coming from my bones says, find a home. So those lyrics don't exactly work together, but they're not so far apart. It's sort mm. of creepy and ethereal. Right, yeah. And it all works. So we did the big euphoric rise on the vocals. We put some big vocals in there on Alora's thing because she can sing her butt off. And the big high note on, find a home. Bow, 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 bow. And then we could bring it back around again. To the chorus of bad guy Mm -hmm. Where it's like so you're a tough guy Like a really rough guy Always in the buff guy I'm a bad guy And we put that big old hole in there And it lined up the next verse right Yeah. So you can kind of see how we were able to pull that off On a second one That we did I did this one with A climber actually with Aaron Jackson Mm -hmm. And the impetus Behind creating this was to promote a show That he had coming up and trying to get some more attendance at that show, you know, he had a little bit of money to spend. And I said, let's do an ad, but let's do it with a mashup. You know, let's create some clickbait. He said, OK. So he came to me with the formula. I told him the formula that we're talking about here. And he pulled Someone You Love from Lewis Capaldi. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to mash that up with Free Fallen from Tom Petty.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Right? Yeah.
0: So two really great songs, really, really huge. I think Someone You Love was number one. It was definitely top ten at the time. And originally, what he had, and this is where it's kind of like creative Lincoln Logs. (laughs) Yeah. Where you've got to feel free to kind of move stuff around, okay? Because originally, what he wanted to do was the chorus for Free Falling, and he wanted to do it with the verses from Someone You Love by Lewis Capaldi. But... The verses on the Louis Capaldi song are nowhere near as hooky or as memorable as the chorus.
1: Yeah, is. that's what we all know.
0: Right. And now the day bleeds in the nightfall, and you're not here to get me through it all. I let my guard down, then you pull a rug. I was getting kind of used to being someone you loved. So we have a song here with someone you loved that it's a mistake, right? He's singing about how he screwed up. Yeah. And he's lamenting the loss of a lover in this song. And <laughs> free fallen is the opposite. <laughs> free fallen is about a dude who drops a girl who's a player, right? Mm-hmm. And now he's like, it's a big happy, you know, free fallen is happy, 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 right? Yeah. Well, what we did was cause it wasn't working with the verse from Louis Capaldi into the chorus From Tom Petty Free Fallen. I said, let's flip flop them. What if we tried that? Because the verses for the Tom Petty song are very, very hooky and very memorable, right? She's a good girl, Mm -hmm. loves her mama, loves Jesus and America too. And she's a good girl, crazy about Elvis, loves horses and her boyfriend too. And then the second verse is, it's a long day living in Reseda. There's a freeway running through the yard. And I'm a bad boy because I don't even miss her. I'm a bad boy for breaking her heart. And then it goes into, and now the day bleeds into nightfall. And you're not here to get me through it all. I let my guard down, and then you pulled the rug. I was getting kind of used to being someone you loved. All of a sudden, he's feeling all cocky about it in the verses, and then he falls apart in the chorus. Yeah, that's cool. Right? So it sort of changes what the lyrics mean for Free falling. and then after we started playing with this, this was definitely going to work better because we had two melodies now that were super, super hooky, mm-hmm. and the most memorable parts of the songs, or at least very memorable parts of the songs. And then I said, whoa, dude, Aaron... If you put free fallin' after the Louis Capaldi chorus, mm-hmm. it totally reverses the meaning.
1: Oh, it does. Yeah. Because now I'm free, but I'm falling in a bad way.
0: Yeah. And it's like really sad, right? I was getting kind of used to being someone you loved, and now I'm free. Free falling, yeah, into despair, right? right and that yeah. was so fun and so good. So this is what I mean where you kind of got to dig in and you've got to match up some lyrics. And they've got to kind of work together, right? So another one that we did with Alora was we mashed up Lose You to Love Me by Selena Gomez, mm-hmm. which was number one at the time that we did it. And by the way, that was written by Selena Gomez and Julia Michaels, who's maybe the biggest songwriter right now, and Robin Fredrickson, Matthias Larson, and Justin Tranter as well. So there's a number of songwriters on there, but Julia Michaels had a hand in it, and we mashed it up with a Julia Michaels hit because she's also an artist called Issues. hmm And so we kind of wove in and out on this particular mashup. Again, I encourage you to go watch this video. Listen to the structure that we used because it's really fun to kind of put this stuff together. And Lose You to Love Me is a song that Selena wrote based on her breakup with Justin Bieber. Mm -hmm. And she found herself and learned to love herself after she broke up with Justin. And so it's that sort of redemption song, right? Yeah. And then issues – plays right into that where Issues is really a song about, hey, we've got this love that's so strong. We're going to talk about all our issues and we're going to be able to get through it kind of a thing. That's Mm -hmm. the spirit behind those lyrics. So with Lose You to Love Me, we started out the lyric with, you know, you promised the world and I fell for it. I put you first and you adored it. Set fires to my forest and you let it burn. You sang off key in my chorus because it wasn't yours. And from there, we go into... The pre-chorus for Julia Michaels, which is, but you don't judge me, because if you did, baby, I would judge you too. Bow. No, you don't judge me, because if you did, baby, I would judge you too. And then we jump back into the pre-chorus for Selena Gomez, which is, we always go into it blindly. I needed to lose you to find me. This dance, it was killing me softly. I needed to hate you to love me. hmm And then we jumped into the chorus of Julia Michaels, because I got issues, but you got them too. So give them all to me and I'll give mine to you. Bask in the glory of our problems because we got all the kind of love it takes to solve them. And then back to the real hook in Lose You to Love Me, which is to love, love, yeah, to love, love, yeah, to love. So you see how that kind of works? Like Mm -hmm. how you mash them up, you can kind of go back and forth. And I think if more artists start getting into playing the game a little bit Mm -hmm. and creatively doing this, that you can really create some amazing content. And we used the first mashup from Allura, the bad guy and Seven Nation Army, Mm -hmm. to promote two tours for her. And on Facebook and Instagram, it's got over like 3 million views. I mean, people loved it and people Mm -hmm. showed up to see her, Yeah, you know, just to see her sing that song, that mashup, because they loved it and she crushed it. And we did some bigger kind of production with Allura because we could. Aaron Jackson's was successful with his. He had a really good turnout for the show that we were promoting there. And his was just a simple electric guitar and him singing, and that's it. Mm-hmm. So these get really killer results. And if you look at artists like Postmodern Jukebox, who, by the way, I just found out, do you know they have a residence in Vegas now? No, I didn't. How freaking cool is that? That is cool. <laughs> So there's a great example of, if you're not familiar with postmodern jukebox, go look them up. This is like a 40s big band where they do like a Metallica cover, right? <laughs> and it's in the style of a 40s big band, so you've got to watch it. There's the clickbait. Pomplamoose yeah. is another artist that does some great covers and mashups and has built a massive, massive following. On a digital platform By doing this And they tour And they do all their own stuff As well And you know what Some people want to play Some of those covers And they do it But it's really their own interpretation of it. So it kind of becomes a little bit of them. You know, mm-hmm. if you go see Van Halen with David Lee Roth before they split up, you want to hear, you really got me. You want to hear ice cream, man. yeah, You know, because the way they did it was freaking cool, man. Mm-hmm. It was really freaking cool. So that's all I got to say about that guys. If you want to consult with me, we're available for consulting. This is what Aaron did. He came in and said, Hey man, I want to try something different. And we cooked up that mashup together. And I kind of helped him I guess, executive produce it, if you will. I mean, he did all the recording and the mastering and stuff. We never got together in the same room, but I helped him think it out mm-hmm. and put that blueprint together. And I think that once again, it's all about getting in front of new eyeballs on digital and you have to give them something that they're going to want to watch. Mashups are a great way to do it. So reach out at info at put consultation into the subject line and we'll get something on the books. And we'll get you going down that road, get you thinking about the right way. Also, if you haven't done so yet, download the free. PDF download, 21 biggest reasons you don't have more fans and how to fix that, just go to giftfromjohnny.com, J-O-H-N-N-Y, giftfromjohnny.com, and just tell us where to send it, okay? It's absolutely free just for playing our home game, and it's going to get your head right. Kind of stuff like this, like you've got to think about it differently. If you're trying to reverse engineer the way you were marketed to by your favorite artists on the radio, you're already losing because you're asking the wrong questions, Okay. So that's about that. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, join the climb community, leave a rating and review. We're trying to get to 200 and tell a friend about it, guys. This podcast exists because we want you to win. So it's on climbing.
1: And we'll see you at the top.